0: Hello and welcome to the Stand with Damon Duncan. Now, last night in Washington, President Biden addressed the nation from the Oval Office. Only the second time he's done that. The seriousness of the situation in the Middle East, of course, was the subject of the address, the short address to the American people. Also, the question of Russia and Ukraine. He was looking for $100 billion for Israel and for Ukraine. It was An awkward speech badly delivered and I think it probably won't convince a Congress that doesn't really exist at the moment because it hasn't got a speaker and hasn't got the power to do very much. However, it seems as if Israel is poised to launch a ground invasion of Gaza and, of course, all of this was triggered by a terrorist act by Hamas on October the 7th, Saturday morning, which left 1,400 Israelis, an estimated 1,400 Israelis, men, women and children, who had nothing to do with the conflict, certainly weren't combatants dead. That was the catalyst for what we are now witnessing, which has escalated to the point where we could see a long and very dangerous war in the Middle East, and indeed others may be sucked in. It's very important to understand this. And it's a pleasure now to welcome to the stand for the first time, Dr. Patrick Bury. He is on the UK Research and Innovation Committee. He's one of the leading fellows. He's a Senior Lecturer and Associate Professor in the Security Department of Politics, Languages and International Studies at the University of Bath. He is also the author of of a book, many books, but one of them called Sign Hades was about his experience as a soldier in Afghanistan and it's a pleasure to welcome him. Patrick, you're very welcome to the stand and we don't want to talk to you about the politics of this, but the the issues around military resolution are massive and complicated. First of all, can I ask you to tell our listeners about the initial Terrorist Act by Hamas when they managed, with what appears to be great planning and immense ingenuity and logistical understanding, to commit this act on October 7th.
1: Sure, I Eamon, and, and, you know, it's a great pleasure. Thanks for having us on. Um, and I'm, I'm more than happy, I, what, I, what I, you know, I'm not an expert in the p- internal politics of Hamas and Israel, Um, And the long history of that. But what I do know is obviously the military angle and also the geopolitical angle, the repercussions of how this may play out. But if we if we roll back to, you know, for your listeners, the broad view is that in the um, in the southwestern corner, obviously, of Israel, you've got the Gaza Strip. It's a small Strip. It's uh, heavily urbanized with about 2 million plus people, Palestinians, living there. And since about 2007, the Israelis have managed that settlement, uh, which was becoming increasingly uh, radicalized due to the conditions it was living in and also the growth of Hamas. Um, They managed that that essential threat from there by creating a, a security wall and now, the, you know, when you think of a security wall, it's generally just what we'd seen, obviously, in Northern Ireland, where you have watchtowers and barriers and fence, you know, barbed wire. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the Israeli one was more complex in that it had a whole uh, system of, of modern sensors, you know, with automated weapons backing some of those watchtowers up. It had choke points, checkpoints, um, and it was backed by a whole signals intelligence piece, you know, the ability to scoop up data from everyone's phones. Yeah. And also the importance of the the human intelligence angle here. You're informers in the Palestinian community giving you leads about what was happening. That's how it functions. So it's an ecosystem. It's not really just a war. And what we saw on the 7th of October was the the Hamas, this sort of radical version that does not represent all Palestinians, even in the Gaza Strip, but certainly all Palestinians in the West Bank as well which is run by the, um, the Liberation Organisation, much more so. The PLO, um, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and what you saw on, on that morning was a very carefully planned, over a long period, coordinated attack for, on multiple locations uh, in Israel, by land, by sea, by air, uh, by Hamas, um, into Israeli territory. It took them completely by surprise, uh, which is obviously an Israeli intelligence failure, both in terms of their signals and in terms of their informers. Um, and they were able to do it from numerous ways. The first one, you know, just from a physical way, obviously, they, they had great uh, operational security. They would have used small cells to, to keep informers out, highly trusted, probably based on kinship yes. um, cells, they obviously we use analog communications, so face-to-face or written. We've seen actually the plans that have come out, they're all written down. And um, in the way that an army would, you know, that kind of level of 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 planning before an operation. Uh and, and then when it came to the physical part, they used, you know, sort of the looking at what's gone on in Ukraine, they used drones carrying small explosives. They dropped them onto the generators around around the sensors and automated weapons in these washtowers. Uh, that then blew blew up, the, denied them of their s- source of power. The Israelis were blinded. It's a kind of tactical level, start to lose their, their situational awareness. And then at the same time, just once that's completed, they launched barrages. And this is the biggest the amount of rockets Hamas have ever fired, you know, two to three thousand yes. uh, into Israel to overwhelm their Iron Dome missile system. Yes. Um, And then, you know, other then they start to attack using their groups and that's by land. They they start to cut the ground. And you can imagine the chaos is Israel now doesn't really know what's going on and is being stretched all over the place. They cut their their way through the wire and storm into some of the military barracks uh, on land. They use powered parachutes, which we've probably seen, you know, to fly over the walls into other places. That was what was used in the uh, in the festival attack, and they even land by sea in other places. So it's a highly complex, highly uh, organized and coordinated attack. And you know, I was looking at it from a professional military point of view. Going, this has got state, some sort of state sponsorship. You don't. You know, you know, Hamas no. have not been uh, that good at doing this kind of thing previously, and the scale and complexity of it to me signified some sort of state sponsorship. But what I will say is, this has been in the planning for so long yes. that actually, you know, if you've got two years to test and adjust your plan potentially, and you, I think they are they were getting some help, but it doesn't. The level of state sponsorship potentially remains to be seen. You could do a fair bit of this by just watching what's going on in Ukraine and adapting yourself, you know.
0: Yes, and many people believe and have stated that Iran helps in many ways. Iran is a supporter of Hamas, and they have also the support of Syria and other actors in the region. Absolutely, yeah. And the weapons they needed, the logistical help they needed, the money to get supplies, all of that. Is assumed to have come from Iran most of it, and
1: yes, some of it. You know, the one thing I would point out is that the um, the one thing I'd point out is that you've got uh, the, the this tunnel system into Gaza uh, is very good for obviously bringing stuff in through Egypt, etc. Yes. But also. The, the Hamas have been pretty good at starting to produce their own rockets. So it's, the, it's basically the, the resources and the materials need to produce your own rockets, for example. Um, and I'd say some are coming in from Iran. But they do have their own indigenous capability now, which yes. is important to bear in mind.
0: Now, the reason the BBC, for example, described Hamas as a militant grouping, we have no hesitation on this podcast of describing this as a terrorist act it has, of course, got a context. Nevertheless, the murder of innocent people, in my view, whether it's by the Provisional IRA or Hamas, is a terrorist act. I just want to make that clear, and we don't want to suck you into politics. The question I want to ask you next, Patrick, is about where Israel now is poised. They have called up an estimated 300,000 reservists. Some say more than that 350,000 reservists but certainly they seem poised for an invasion into Gaza. The question, first of all, is this. What you describe and what we witnessed, most people think it might have taken a year or more for Hamas to plan what they did. Working off that assumption, they would also believe that Hamas is prepared and whatever allies it has for what comes next in terms of, for example, mining, landmines and stuff that the Israelis will have to take into account. They'll be going into the bombs that they've dropped on Gaza and they'll be going into the kind of mess we've seen the Russians create in parts of Ukraine. This is difficult for the attacker, isn't it, and easier for the defender and the other question I want to ask you is about the estimate. I saw an estimate that there were up to forty to fifty thousand Hamas fighters, and I was staggered by that. Is that an accurate figure?
1: It is, I mean, Yeah. Well, I've read, you know, anywhere. It's it's difficult to assess, but it's anywhere yeah. between twenty to forty. I think. Right. Um, uh, so that's the question on that. Um, I think the best way to sort of think about this, is the, and as you're right, you rightly said, like Hamas is viewed by the EU, designated by the EU, the whole of the EU, the UK and uh, the US, amongst other nations, as a terrorist organisation. Um, it's also backed by another terror, or you know, has strong relationships with an organisation which is smaller, about 8,000, called Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which yes. by the name you can kind of guess how radical they are. Yes. Um, the, the question is essentially um, the brutality of that attack, you know, that what we've seen, it the ferocity of it, the mass killing of civilians. We're talking about 1,400, um, and I'm, I'm more than happy, you know, for it to talk about uh, the, the sort of heavy, and we will, about the Israeli, heavy Israeli airstrikes in response. But yes. the initial attack by Hamas, that is designed to yes. to cause a huge amount of fear, a huge amount of um what you know almost insult the na- the, the yes. nature of what was done especially in some of these kibbutzes. Yes. it is truly barbarous and horrific yes. and there's no excuse as a human for this kind of thing and uh that and and, and two wrongs don't make a right either do you know no, what i mean so that would be yes. where i'm coming from this but to to understand that the sense of shock proportionality um per, or sorry proportion of population this is far worse than 9 uh, was for the Americans, yes. for the Israelis. Uh, yes,
0: that's so these are I'm the kind of made. things.
1: Yes. So it, and so this is where you're coming to your, the, the, set, the first part of your question, which is Hamas knew this. They knew what yes. they're doing. This is a bait.
0: Yes,
1: They want Israel to take the bait and over-respond. Yes. Just like in, to, in many respects the U.S. was emotionally compromised after 9-11, the Israeli system, and for due to all its failures and its political internal dynamics of the last couple of years, especially, is going to have to over respond to show it can get a grip of the situation. And that's the real danger.
0: This is a point, Patrick, that Joe Biden made, President Biden made in his speech last night. He talked about the mistakes America made after 9 11, of course, the Iraq war, but also going back to Afghanistan and other mistakes which have proved, you know, disastrous for for the United States. So that possibility, in fact, that fact, that if Israel does overreact, but what you're telling us is, one would assume, they're almost obliged to, given Netanyahu's hawkishness and given, indeed, recent history of the Israeli government, which is becoming more right-wing and more hawkish by the year.
1: Yeah, I, it's just, and also the recent history of how Israel responds to any sort of major attack. Yeah, you know it just it just piles in, and we know that it piles in. And you know, you could write the script. As one of my friends who who knows the region really well, he says the Israelis will have burned through global sympathy by Sunday. Do you know? Yeah. Yes. By the and that and and they and and to some respects they are, and you're yes. watching. You know, you watch the kill ratio, to, to put it in brutal terms, of like, usually that's, it, it heavily favours the Israelis, i.e. They, they, for each soldier yes. they lose, they kill way more Palestinians. The absolute shock for the Israelis was, you know, on day one and day two, there was, it was, you know, 1,400 dead uh, Israelis and only, uh, you know, 100 or so dead um, Hamas fighters. You know, it was complete. And then we've seen, of course, that tick up and the, the big response they have back, But listen, a lot of this is to do with, you know, pirates who, again, who know the region, a little bit of Israeli arrogance, that they knew the problem, they knew their neighbourhood, and that the wall would work. Um, they'd moved their army up towards the West Bank because they were worried about what was going on there. And also the internal political dynamics, you know, between, the, as you said, like the, the hawkish government are not popular, you know. Um, there's been this major attempt to tighten the rule of um, uh, the courts over yes. the sort of political process, and that was hugely unpopular. So they were distracted. And this is all tied into it. But, you know, coming back to if Hamas are there to provoke a response, the first question is why? And that is because what was happening led by the U.S. um, was a a normalization of Israeli, especially Saudi relationship, which we were expecting to see actually be formalized pretty soon. And then also other nations in the Gulf, which were, you know, because they'd been... um, relatively quiet in 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 israel in in terms of the the global uh, sorry the grand strategic picture in the last few years this is making it possible and hamas would have calculated as will probably iran who are not popular in the region they would have calculated if we let this continue this normalization the question is over yeah the question is essentially over and um and therefore we must act now. We must bait Israel into a massive response, which therefore result in the bombardment of Gaza. You could write this, so any anyone who knows Israel one point one, you know, yes. relations would, would be able to predict this. A massive Israeli response which will alienate the Arab street uh, the longer it yes. continues, and eventually global um opinion. And to bring it back to Biden, this is what Biden's saying is look, you're you're in your peak emotional compromise at the moment now and you need to be awful awful careful about where the strategic uh, repercussions of what you do now could lead you uh, and the rest of the world because it's finally poised why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
0: And the Lebanon, the Lebanon is, you know, the country is destroyed economically, and most observers believe is in no state to really participate. Nevertheless, Hezbollah is also armed and supported by Iran. And my understanding is, and what people are saying, is they are in military terms much more formidable than Hamas. They have more weapons more people and and they are coming from the the north is there a possibility in your view patrick of that second front opening up lebanon's weakness notwithstanding
1: yeah and you're exactly right
0: and how dangerous is it so
1: this is the this is you know the context here is really important so hamas are are sunni and iran is shia so they've had a relatively difficult relationship with iran and not not the level of support that Hezbollah, who are shia yes. and in northern lebanon have had long term deeply integrated yes. with the iranian revolutionary guards council uh, sorry islamic revolutionary guards council in iran um And they are essentially, uh, yeah, the Iranian proxy force in the region, Uh, heavily armed with a range of weapons, 60,000 strong, much more military capable than than, uh, Hamas. And in particular, a huge rocket arsenal. Um, And that's the threat to Israel. So if we're thinking that there's going to be a ground invasion, and I think the longer it goes on, I'm I'm starting to wonder, is there actually going to be? We will see, because... Maybe the world leaders, while they're outwardly going over and saying, we're with you 100%, I think a lot of them would, if I, oh, I was yes, saying, be clearly. bloody careful here. What are you going to do? And if even if you take the Gaza Strip, what are you going to do with it? Yes. You're going to hold exactly. a bunch of rubble? Yes. For indefinite, like what, what, yes. You know, so um, so uh, that is the thing. Hezbollah can be thought about as a, a, a Iran's, a, a Iran's insurance policy for two things. One, uh, should the Arab streets start to really move against Israeli further, against Israeli um, uh, ground incursion? Maybe Hezbollah will go, oh, well, we've got the the political uh, support here to to start firing rockets. And two, what if uh, Israel, they've already attacked Iranian positions, as far as I understand, in Syria, but what if they decide to attack Iran proper? And that's essentially where it's the card up the sleeve. And hence, and what they I, have
0: a nuclear capacity.
1: Yeah, we, we're not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly what that is, but they've obviously had a development, um, have development program for years and years and years, which has highly worried the um, the the Israelis. And it seems to be generally that they've managed to get that to fruition.
0: Uh, no, I know. I, what I meant was that the Israelis have. Sorry, Patrick. Oh, the my, Israelis. The Israelis yeah. have yeah. a nuclear capacity, but every time the Iranians, and this is to. Testified to the power of Mossad pre this intelligence failure, they have taken out scientists at a point where Iran was close to developing a nuclear weapon.
1: Yeah, and whether that's been effective, I don't know exactly what the what the sort of latest is on where Iran are with their program um, because it's so hard to discern. My understanding is they're pretty they've got pretty much getting there anyway you know um but yeah we had the stuxnet do you remember when they managed yes. to hack the Israeli stuxnet and the hack the um reactors and made them um basically spin against themselves which is an interesting one but um i mean like in terms of hezbollah what the nuclear thing is is potential i mean it would have to become into basically threat to the existence of a state for someone to start doing that and we're not at the level yet just to sort of reassure people yeah um, The more likely thing is Hezbollah, either there's an attack on, obviously Iran realized that if we attack, sorry, Israel realized if we attack Iran, then Hezbollah would be activated and we'd have a two-front war. Strategically, that's their worst nightmare. Two or three-front war fighting Hezbollah in the, uh, at the Lebanese border, then a little bit in the centre of Israel, the, the West Bank and fighting the PLO and down the south, that would be the seat I'm very, very, very stretched. And the reason the US has sent two aircraft carriers and a lot of missile cruisers, etc., to the Israeli coast...
0: And, and 2,000 is, troops.
1: Yeah, is to help interdict any possible Hezbollah. In, in, in the first instance, rocket barrage. Um, so, uh, and secondly, obviously to help them with intelligence and collection, uh, and thirdly, to send a message, you know, um, as they call these, these, these aircraft carriers, you know, USS Eisenhower, or whatever it's USS stay yeah. the hell out of it, you know? Yes. Um, it's, that's the message, you know? Uh, but of course, if you're sitting here and the Jordanian foreign minister said last night, very interesting, he said, you know, you're sitting in the uh, 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 in the Middle East as, a, as an Arab and you're looking at all the world leaders fly in and all really pledging their support. And you have to read between the lines of what they're saying to be like, yeah, we're trying to put the brakes on, too, and, and caution them. Um you view you, viewing that and you're going like, what is this? Is this the West sort of piling in and to make this clash into a West versus Arab struggle, you know? You have to be very well, very careful about how it goes down.
0: As you're an Irishman, Patrick, mm. you'll know the Irish Times and it's a very, very good newspaper, of course, but it's not known for its radicalism. Mm. It says in its leading article this morning that, as I'm sure you know, P- Putin and President Xi met in Beijing this week, and the argument is made, this is to quote directly from the Irish Times' leading article, now that Israel is breaking some of the laws as Russia is by cutting off food, water, power to civilians, Western leaders have referred only gingerly to international law. The rest of the world may conclude that for the US and the EU, international law Human rights and the rules-based order offer protection only to those they favour, continues. In Beijing this week, Xi Jinping sketched out his vision for a new global order that would allow each country to pursue its own development model, regardless of human rights and democratic values. And this is the key line at the end of this leading article. As Western leaders line up behind Netanyahu's military offensive she may conclude that they are making his argument for him. Now, that's a very significant intervention by a very highly respected newspaper that is not normally. Mm. What it's saying there is that if Israel continues to behave as it is and is supported by Ursula von der Leyen, for example, who took a solo run, as I'm sure you know, the U.S., the U.K., France, then we're into a, a different world, are we not? And I'm not asking about the politics, I'm asking about the, a different military world in which the forces that want to eliminate Israel will have had their point made for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's why, that's, that's why Israel needs to be so careful, you know? And, and I think, you know, the idea, we've talked about the brutality of the attack, but the idea that you're just going to bomb your way into into revenge for this, and that's now what three three thousand at least um, Gazans killed. Yeah, some of those are going to be Hamas, of course, but I'm saying the majority aren't. You know, it's it's it just goes to show you. And and the uh, I have to say the idea that you think you can do that and get away with it is a bit mad as well to me.
0: Let me ask you about the bombing of the hospital, which yeah. was as Joe Biden was about to board his mm. U.S. Air Force One to visit Israel. There was this incident in which a hospital where many people were, of course, ill and being treated, but also where many people had huddled, many gazans had huddled for shelter, was destroyed by a bomb, a missile, we don't know precisely what. The Americans, the Israelis, of course, claimed they had voices to prove it. It wasn't very convincing. The Americans have slowly come round and said Israel wasn't responsible as a military expert it seems to me and of course as a layman that given what the satellites that are in the sky given the technology that's available the source of that destruction would have been known within 10 minutes by major players is that the way it works or well
1: this is yeah like in, I know what you're getting at, right? So, like, right. the U.S. can detect, you know, uh, launches of re- even small, you know, munitions, missiles, etc., pretty much across the globe quite quickly, um, depending on orbits, of course, right? Yes. But the problem is this is a war zone now. You might look at the of ordnance in the sky that night, you know, it's unbelievable, yes. and jets flying over. So, like, it's much more difficult to, in that case, right, from, from a, a, a busy start. Um, what you really need, and I've talked about this on a few other things, is like you really need what's called an ammunition technical officer, which is an expert in projectiles and explosives to get in there, look at the, the damage. Uh, and look at the, essentially look for debris from whatever caused it, you know? yeah. Um, my initial, as a military, former military, my initial one, no, that's an act, because it wasn't actually in the hospital, it was in a car park outside. That's yes. important to see. And my initial one, that's, that's probably an accident. That's yes. just, just right. You know, no one really, even, and it's just such an own goal for the Israelis public wise, that, you know, publicity wise, that no one would really do that on purpose. That would be my first thing. Um, having looked at the site it, again and, and I would just say from my looking at the site what you can see is there's a small crater yes and a lot of fire damage which means that whatever hit there was had a low explosive content right uh, likely to have a low explosive and, and a lot of propellant fuel whatever that is for a rocket or for whatever, it could have been a canister that is jettisoned from a plane, for example, an Israeli plane because it's being targeted by missiles. You just right. don't know what happened there. But all I can say is that it looks like it was something... So the context here is important. When Israel drops bombs, you know about it. They're 500 yes. pounds. They're large craters. Right. Um, this isn't a mortar, you know? from the yes. f- It's unlikely to be an artillery round. So it's something small rocket size or something that's been dropped canister-wise... Um, with a lot of fire in it. But that's all I can say.
0: Um, yes. I mean, 48 hours afterwards, Joe Biden was said to Netanyahu in a rather unfortunate phrase, it looks like it, may, it yeah. may have been the other team, mm, mm. which yeah. is a football reference that wasn't appreciated. Yeah, not much, not much. But <laughs> if if Biden was in the, in the dark at that stage, and if American intelligence... But of course, as you say, there's so much ordinance up there, it may not be possible to definitively say.
1: Yeah, I'd be looking for like, does Hamas or can inspectors get in there relatively quickly? Like what we call in the military a combat indicator would be if Hamas didn't let people in, but they did. There were journalists going in. So yes. um, it depends if the site had been totally cleared of, of any uh any uh debris etc you know okay. cleanse beforehand i think on the wider point like you know you're talking about the strategy and values etc i always come back to this yes you know you uh, putin is now talking about community values you know which resonates in parts of the world where the west yes. are like or sorry they look at western values and they go you hypocrites you know yes um and xi jinping keen to jump on this bandwagon i always say to critics of this where would you rather live china and russia or the west and it's pretty clear if you value freedom where You'd rather, live. yes. So course. all the whataboutery on the internet and all this, yeah, uh, is one thing. But you need to be cl- very clear about where you would rather live under yes. what kind of freedoms. And the West doesn't get it right, but neither does China and and Russia at no, all. No,
0: of course I'm not suggesting for one moment. Yeah. So that's
1: the first thing. The second thing is what's going on in the world, right? Since Ukraine is being intensified, there was increasingly over the last decade increased competition uh, and between Russia and China and Iran kind of on one side and to varying degrees, conflict with the West, yeah, especially, say, with Iran. Uh, and then uh, since Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine, that, that, that competition is turning, especially with Russia and Iran, into conflict. And we're seeing, in the case of West Africa, coups going on there that probably wouldn't have happened without Russian yeah. involvement. Um, taking advantage of, of course, local issues, but stoking them and supporting them to get results that they want in West Africa and friendly governments. East Africa, Sudan, we've seen involvement there. We've seen Kosovo flare in the last yes. month. And now we've seen Israel, and will remain to be seen. There's some rumours, when unproven at the moment, but was there any kind of Russian involvement in, in anything to yes, do with Yes,
0: because they have a, a, a base in Syria, in fact. Well, they do.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. Yes, so... Yes. So the, the broader thing which you're alluding to is, and on the current trajectory, these countries, uh, especially Iran and Russia, because they're now in the, basically in a fight, uh, a knife fight, and less so China, but they're on the fence uh, and watching how this goes and have the potential to join in, is there's a face-off going on, uh, which uh, is designed, and Russia and Iran are trying, if you look at those geographic uh, locations of what's happened in the last stretch, especially the U.S., None of those can take on the U.S. on its own, but they have a much better chance of stretching U.S. focus, resource, yes. tension, intelligence yes. by targeting them all over the place and dragging them down in general. And if you look at what um, Sudan, I just looked at that. That's the opening of a of a of a second front in this broader conflict between Ukraine and uh, sorry, yeah, the West and Russia over Ukraine. Yeah. And again, you can start to look at. Whose strategic interest is this Hamas attack? Well, it's in Iran's, you know, and okay. also, of course, Russia's, because who's been talking about Ukraine in the last two weeks?
0: If I just may ask one final question, Patrick, people are worried now that this may escalate out of control. Who would the protagonists be? I mean, Iran, the Russians have a base, in Syria, Hezbollah are there. How worried in a reasonable way should we be by what's happening now, particularly if, as seems probable, the Israelis go in and reduce Gaza to dust?
1: Yeah, well, that would be that would be worrying because if you see the, the Gazan casualties mount uh, significantly, uh, Iran and Hezbollah will be making a calculation about whether they become involved or not. And obviously the U.S. is there working very hard to try to restrain Israel, I think, uh, certainly to deter Iran and Hezbollah too, and to calm everything down. Um, as are other allies in the, in the region, partners in the region like Jordan, even Egypt, you know, yes. getting involved. But um, yeah, that, I think then that would be, that would be a significant step if uh, Hezbollah get involved, of which the sort of second and third order effects become harder to uh, to gauge exactly, but they aren't great. Um, I think at the more broader thing, unfortunately, you know, the trajectory at the moment, this is like, the, it feels like the 1930s, uh, yes. you know. And unless there's a change of trajectory um, in the next decade, you know, we're facing into something pretty... Uh, pretty, what's the word, depressing. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I think yeah. it is at its mildest. Okay, Dr. Patrick Bury is a Senior Lecturer and Associate Professor in the Security Department of Politics, Language and International Studies at the University of Bath. He is also formerly a soldier in Afghanistan. He's also an Irishman. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the stand. We really appreciate it. And good luck with your work. That's all we have time for now. Grateful to Patrick, to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?